The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. 307 on this uh, rainy Thursday afternoon. It's Jaylen Nye, Andrew Gross on the 630 Chad Afternoon News. Well, you'll probably remember because it was all over the news back in November when two Metro Line LRT trains heading in opposite directions ended up on the same track. It was just another issue for the city and Talis to deal with. Well, you know what? Global News, uh, Julia Wong, reporter over at Global Edmonton, wanted to look in to that incident a little bit closer and she did so in her report that aired last night on Global shedding some light on what happened behind the scenes when the information was uh, was uh, first found out. Julia joins us this afternoon. Hi Julia. Hi how are you? Good thanks. So first off what made you think to uh, dig a little deeper on this one? So I was actually working November 11th when these two incidents happened and there was a lot of back and forth with the city at the time about what happened and why. And it was a few days after that that I started to think, well, it'd be interesting, you know, they gave us one story, but I want to find out what's happening on their end, you know, things that we don't normally get to see. So that's why I filed the Freedom of Information request for all the communications that would have happened between different city officials in the week or so after this incident happened. And we ended up getting more than 300 pages of emails back. So you went through those 323 pages of uh, emails, and again, you didn't know exactly what you were looking for. So what jumps out at you in terms of what you found? Well, there are a few things that jump out. One is just some of the frustration that you can hear in the responses of city officials. Um, One of them in particular really stuck out after the second incident happened, kind of just wrote in an email as in, you know, what do we do? P-F-F-F-T was, yeah. 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 And it was interesting to see some of that internal frustration. And then you can also see them reacting or or thinking about how the media is going to respond. They're saying, you know, two more incidents happened. This is unacceptable. Media is going to be all over them. So they knew this was going to be a really big story because they knew that we've been closely watching the Metroline LRT. And another thing that was really interesting was sort of a disagreement internally about whether this actually is or was a critical safety failure. You know, you had the city and city spokespeople really towing the line about, you know, no people were put at risk and there is no safety failure. But then there was one individual, one city employee who responded to all of that saying, oh, strange how two trains ending up on the same track <laughs> isn't being called a critical safety failure. So there are, you can tell that there are some people in the city who maybe don't necessarily agree with the, the official stance of the city. Yeah, Julia, that was the one thing that jumped out at me in your report is how they really tried to downplay the safety aspect of all of this. Yeah, and so we did reach out to Talis to, you know, get their response specifically to these emails, specifically to some of the exchanges that we saw in this FOIA request. And they reiterated a few of the things that we've heard them say before. They said, well, the trains were never close enough to be able to be in a safety risk, and they were really standing by that yesterday. So what of the uh, back-and-forth emails... Uh, described them at Talos looking for an expert to try and, or the city looking for an expert uh, to try and explain the system and the issue to the council. Um, that kind of jumped out at me because my impression was wouldn't council already have all this information? It's sort of, I mean, you talked about, well, the media is going to be all over this, but it feels sort of like internally outside of council, they were saying, okay, well, we better explain this to council as well. 
Mm-hmm. And so what is really interesting about that is it was only after these two incidents came to light that then city staff revealed, you know what, actually this health system isn't really meant for ground level mm-hmm. transportation. It's meant for above, it's meant for below. It actually doesn't work ideally when it is at ground. And that was a bombshell for counselors. They hadn't known that prior to that being disclosed. So when you say council had all the information at this point, it doesn't really seem like everyone knew exactly what was going on with the TALA signaling system. So you had mentioned that uh, you talked to Talis to uh, get a comment on, on your report. Uh, what about uh, the city as far as their comment on the, on the emails and, and what went back and forth? What are they yeah. saying? So I had a few specific questions for the city, wanting them to comment on some of the frustrations, some of the disagreement that we were seeing in these emails. And what we got back didn't really answer the questions that we had posed to them. And they had also declined a request for an on-camera interview. They, again, reiterated um, the fact that they do know there are issues with the Metro line, that those issues have been well, well documented. And they reiterated, again, how their top priority is to have a safe LRT system. You know, that's the one, I guess, maybe, uh, you know, well, I was going to say, perhaps I'm exaggerating my concern, but at this point, I don't know what is an exaggeration when it comes to this story. When they talk about, well, listen, it, you know, let's, I don't want to say spin, but let's, let's present it as, um, you know, a scheduling problem as opposed to a safety problem. Uh, because, you know, for example, there's human operators on the train. So, you know, that... Well, it's okay. It covered, right. it covered any possibility. Right. But my first impression of reading that was, well, if human operators are the answer, why do you have a signaling system at all? Mm-hmm. And, and that's the thing. Like, we have put in so much money into Talus, and we're expecting them to get it right. We're expecting to be able to trust them with the, the public transit that we have in our city. And even though we do have those human operators on the LRT, the hope is that the system gets it right. Like, the these human operators are really only there as a last resort. And the fact that it's still, at this point, three years after opening, it, they still don't have it right is a concern. It is something that taxpayers should be concerned about. You know, the other thing, um, and I didn't know this until your report, and we've talked about it many times on the show about how two trains ended up mm-hmm. in opposite directions on the same track, but it was only one of three incidents on that three. day. There mm-hmm. was there was two train incidents and a, uh, and an arm incident, right? That was contained in those emails as well. Yeah, that's right. So that particular day, we knew that there had been one incident in the morning. We also knew that there had been a second incident around 2 p.m. that day. But what we didn't know at the time and what we really only learned about months after the fact was that there was that third incident where the arm wasn't activating as the train was trying to leave and that is really similar to what we had seen actually back in October and again at that time the city hadn't released that information saying that they didn't think public safety was at risk so you have to just think about what they are releasing what they aren't releasing the fact that sometimes they aren't telling people about any of this until media inquire about it. Julie I'm curious to know 323 pages of internal and external emails when did you you come into possession of that after the FOIP request and how long did it take you to go through it all and actually I'm also curious to know as you're reading through it all what was going through your mind mm-hmm. so we submitted the FOIP request originally in November and the way that the FOIP Act works is that they have 30 days to respond 30 working days ultimately we didn't get those documents until about March I didn't get a chance to start looking at it until April and then it's a matter of reading them once but then reading them a few times yeah. to see exactly what's there and it was after a few times reading it and starting to put a timeline together that these patterns showed up and then that's why we decided to do the story hmm. you know and it's funny because that November 11th 
incident or those three November 11th incidents, as it turns out in hindsight, just triggered a whole lot of events that have ultimately led to where we are today, um, which is that uh, notification of uh, whatever they're calling it, uh, notification of default, right. Um, Did you garner from reading the emails that anyone was asking for action prior to that, that anybody was suggesting that possibly we should pull the trigger now on something like that, or that other action should have been taken? The sense that I got from the emails wasn't so much about that. It was more so how do we deal with what's happening right here, right now. It seemed like there was so much going on that particular day. I don't necessarily think, or at least I don't garner from the emails, that they were looking long-term at that particular moment. Yeah, and you know, that's kind of at the end of the day, after reading everything I've read and listening to your report, um, I, I don't know, I guess I just sort of walked away with the impression that the emphasis was on how do we present this? How do we cover our bots? Yeah, yeah because me- the, even the words are actually in yeah. the email. The media is going to be all mm-hmm. over this. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, you know, the city has been dealing with problem after problem after problem with the Metro Line LRT. And you can almost get the sense from reading these emails. They're like, oh, great. Not again. Another issue. Yeah, mm-hmm. not, not just one that day, three that day. So they were like, we're... We have to prepare for what's going to happen. And ultimately, what did end up happening, thankfully, because we you know, were able to learn about those incidents on November 11th, is this whole chain of events, as you were saying. You know, they had, um, they come up in council, then they had that disclosure that, hey, this actually isn't the right system for us. And then from there is when we sent the um, April 30th deadline. And that really brings us to where we're at now. So if those incidents weren't disclosed back in November, we may not necessarily be at the point we are right now with Talos. Julia Wong, Global Edmonton reporter, joining us on the phone this afternoon. Julia, has there been any blowback, any fallout, any comments of interest uh, since your report aired? There has been. There are a few things that we're looking into right now that I can't quite say. Okay. <laughs> but we are working on, on lots of uh, tips that we've gotten. After I suspect you are. I yeah. suspect you are. I, I have to tell you, I had um, uh, Councillor Knack. Uh, Knack on the show a week ago. Uh, mm-hmm. Just a one-on-one conversation for a half an hour, and uh, you know, you mentioned the fact that it was astonishing when the news broke that this was a system not designed for ground-level transportation. And I think I referred to it uh, to Councillor Nack as a jaw-dropping uh, <laughs> <laughs> admission. Mm-hmm. Uh, but his reply to that was that um, no, the system was not designed for this. But all assurances were given that it could be modified to to be adapted to this. Uh, but that's clearly turned out not to be the case. Yeah, and that's where, you know, we're putting a lot of pressure on the city because of these incidents, but we are also putting a lot of pressure on Talos to try and get those answers. How come this isn't working? Why is it still not working years later? What are you doing to actually fix this problem? Julia, a great bit of reporting there. Uh, Well done on, uh, you know, having that little idea in the back of your mind, following it through in the report last night. We look forward to seeing what else you come up with in the uh, days and weeks ahead, Julia. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. That's Julia Wong over at Global Edmonton. So have you heard about the the battles between the two Dr. Dre's? You know, I saw it on Twitter. <laughs> I didn't really look into it. So what's going on here? There's okay, the rapper, so the rapper, businessman, yeah. West Coast musician. He's got, you know, he's a gazillionaire, right? Yeah, okay. Discovered Eminem. He's got the beats by Dr. Dre, the headphones, all that 
stuff, whatever. Um, but he is not a real doctor, right? Dr. Dre, D-R-A-I. So Dr. Dre the rapper is Dr. D-R-E. Okay. Dr. Dre... D-R-A-I, on the other hand, is an actual doctor. He's a an OBGYN. Okay. Okay. Who appears on TV, has authored books on sexual health with titles like 20 Things You May Not Know About the Penis. Oh, I've... What? I've, yeah, okay. Okay, didn't see that coming. So the two doctors... I've seen him on... Uh, probably Dr. Oz or something? Dr. Oz, yeah. So the two doctors have been locked in a, a dispute for years now um, over their names. So the, the real doctor... Dr. D-R-A-I. Yeah. His real name is Dreon Birch. He wants to trademark the name Dr. D-R-A-I for his medicinal and motivational speaking services, for his books, his videos, his podcasts. Makes sense. Dr. Dre, the musician, real name Andre Young, is trying to block it all. Because, you know, trademarks and confusion between the two of them, all that sort of stuff. He says it could cause confusion between the two brands and falsely suggest a connection between them. Well, yeah. Um, And from what I understand, yeah, Dr. Dre, the beats by Dr. Dre, he lost this court battle. So the doctor, doctor won? Doctor... Penis doctor, one. <laughs> well, not really. He's. You no know, B- I would have. I would have gone B- with that. Honestly, well, sorry. I think probably get more. Just popped in. Yeah, yeah, but just he's actually interesting because yeah. he's an OBGYN. Right. He's an obstetrician totally gynecologist. Yeah. Okay. So. So I'm not different. sure how many of those he's dealing with on a regular basis. <laughs> just probably the one. <laughs> <laughs> right. But the two Doctor Dre's have um, this. This battle has a. Uh, Man. So, so neither of them are actually legally called Dr. Dre, right? Well, no, not legally. No, they're both because they're called Dr. Dre. Neither of their last names are Dre. So neither of them have a birth certificate that says... No, but the doctor, the real doctor, his first name is actually Dreon. So he probably has been... Right. You know, it'd be like someone calling you Andy as much as I know you don't like that. Or I someone don't. calling me Jen or something right. like that, right? He, they're both not going by their... But I would say the the, hmm. the real doctor has more of a well just by legal name wise. But Doctor Dre has gone by Doctor Dre beats by Doctor Dre has gone by Doctor Dre forever. There, I don't know uh, which of them would be relieved to know that had I been the judge in this, yeah, I would have settled it by saying, well, who was operating under that name first? And th- these are both two famous individuals, so you would assume that uh, there's a historic evidence of who first coined the phrase because typically isn't that how it works when you have a, a situation like that, uh, you know, a name of a company or na- it's who operated under it first, even if you didn't register the name. <laughs> I love these headlines. <laughs> oh my Just... goodness. <laughs> Gynecologist Dr. Dre can use name even if Dr. Dre doesn't like it. Oh my goodness. <laughs> That's why I'm so fortunate to have a name like Andrew Gross. Nobody is fighting over that. Nobody wants to be known as Mr. Gross. So the case was filed in October 2015 to the United States Patent and Trademark Office, claimed that Dr. Dreon Birch's efforts to use the Dr. Dre moniker in a trademark were a close approximation of the stage name of Andre Young, Doc, the, the Beats by Dr. Dre guy. Yeah. <laughs> Dre's lawyer... The Beats guy mm. wanted the doctor trademark, which was first filed in 2011, to be annulled. Hmm. 
See, I never think it's first to file. Like I say, it's first to operate under in my mind. So I would have gone with, I'm assuming that the Beats guy, that's the musical guy? I would have assumed yeah. that he was uh, operating under that name far a long time before was this doctor was, because just looking at him, he looks quite young. He had to get a doctorate in order to be a doctor, so I would have thought the musical guy gets it. <laughs> but who am I? And then on the other, I, well, I can see why it's sticky, because on the other hand, you could argue, well, only the, one of them's actually a doctor, though, so that title comes <laughs> with a doctorate. Yeah, that's actually a tough one. Hmm. Uh, maybe they could... Uh, maybe they could do an album together. Or possibly just, you know, every other weekend. Switch names? Sure, you get uh, every other statutory holiday with it, possibly an hour on Saturdays to, well, I don't know. <laughs> All I know now is I'd make an awful judge. I'd be sitting there going, well, I think, well, wait a minute. No, let me think about that. Well, I'm not sure. Oh, Dre Ordre was successful in getting airtime and advertising. Yeah, you got that right, Mike. Sure. Dr. Dre Beats was robbed, says Trucker Dave. I think someone so, too. Someone says Dr. Who. And then, oh, someone says Mr. Nibbles likes to rap. <laughs> you guys should rap. Rap is crap. Uh, we tried that one time. It didn't work out. Let's we not tried revisit to rap? that. Yeah, yeah, we did. Really? I tried to rap. It didn't go well. You uh-huh. don't remember that? Mm. Oh, train wreckish, honestly. Let's never do that again. The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad.